0: What's going on, guys? My name is Matt, and welcome back to the Altered Podcast. I am joined again here with my buddy old pal Daniel Hamilton. What's up, Daniel?
1: The host with the most. uh, I can't complain, man. Been a great Thanksgiving week. I have. I am actually three meals in, three Thanksgiving meals in, um, and I can barely breathe. But you know what? What is life without some good old gluttony? So
0: (laughs) absolutely. I'm pretty sure I've gained like ten pounds this week yeah it's been rough Um, at at least and you know and i still have one more meal left as well on sunday and so i'm i I, you know it's kind of my excuse to just continue eating garbage for the rest of the (laughs) week i'm just going to continue just to chow down on some homemade chex mix and some cherry cordials just because i can and then you know love it and then from there maybe you know actually start to uh to start dieting again you know yeah
1: oh yeah wink wink
0: and it stinks too, but like Thanksgiving could not have come at a worse time for me because I started losing weight about a month. No, not a month. Goodness. That was way too short. It about two or three months ago. I started losing weight and I'm down right now about 30 pounds. That's right. It's, yep. And so once I started losing weight, then all these holidays started coming around the corner and I've gained back like 10 of those pounds. So like yeah. I'm having to go back into overdrive again, which, which kind of stinks. Um, Oh, by the way, for anyone listening, if you notice that my voice is a little bit uh, nasally, every single year around this time, uh, at the time we're recording this, if you couldn't tell already, it's about Thanksgiving, and um, we uh, about this time every year my allergies kick in or a cold of some kind, and uh, yeah, so I apologize if it's really annoying for whoever might be listening.
1: Yeah, Um, you'll get over it. Yeah, they'll be fine.
0: They'll be fun. They'll, yeah, they'll they'll just have to. I'm I'm not perfect. We've made that clear in the very first episode. <laughs> um, but anyways, let's. Uh, so we have a really fun discussion today, and I think it's really relevant, um, especially for those in the Bible Belt. If you're listening, and you're like, let's say you're like nowhere north of like Virginia, Kentucky area, and no more south than like mid Florida. I don't even count the bottom of Florida because like. I don't think Miami is in the Bible Belt. Um, Absolutely you know? not. <laughs> <laughs> so, but if you're anywhere within that, you'll probably relate a lot more than somebody who is made who may not be from there. But I think that there's something to learn here for everybody. Um, and I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. But if you have your Bibles, I feel like we're at church now. If you Ooh, have your let's Bibles, go. Yes, sir. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to be reading verses 13-13 through 16, and of course I'm gonna be reading the NIV, the only translation that's holy. Mm. You know, if you're <laughs> if you're using the King James, then no, nah, I'm kidding. People, they're, for real though, it's kind of weird that people think that King James is like the only holy translation. Like some people even put it above the original languages. And I'm like, what, what? Where do you think they got the King James from?
1: I love it in the charismatic church when people speak in tongues in King James language. <laughs>
0: Yes. Or they'll prophesy in King James, thus saith the Lord. Yeah. Yes. But that's a different oh,
1: conversation in of itself. But yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, and I get people are like used to quoting scripture that way. But it's right. like, bro, I, I think that I, I think he's talking, you know, the English that we're talking. I don't think he would. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, it's a different conversation. But let's read these verses and then uh, and we'll dive in a little here. Starting in verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your heart on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Daniel, how many times have you heard that phrase, be holy as I am holy?
1: I've heard it quite a bit.
0: Yeah, it's something that I've heard that phrase quoted so often, and it's usually quoted whenever people are trying to get you to do what they want you to do. Like, you have to be holy because he said, be holy as I am holy. Right. But today we're going to talk about uh, what is the distinction biblically and historically between the idea of of something being sacred or holy. I'm going to use those words synonymously, sacred and holy, um, or secular. And so to do that, I think we need to really talk about what sacred even means, because secular really is the lack thereof or the contrary to the sacred. Yeah. So, Daniel, I'm going to turn it over to you. How would you define the word sacred or holy?
1: Um. So I would say something that's sacred is something that's connected to God in some way. Um, and it's... Uh, usually things that are sacred it's like i don't know it's, it's just like things that we respect in a church setting things that are sacred things that we'll never mess with things that are dedicated uh to like a certain religious purpose or idea it's kind of how i would define sacred things
0: man it is almost like you read straight from my definition and i'm not i'm not saying that tongue-in-cheeky actually is not reading what's on my screen because uh, I know that <laughs> some people are like, oh, he's probably just reading what he wrote.
1: Bro, call me but out. No,
0: yeah. No, The uh, so the Webster uh, definition is literally exactly what you said. It's dedicated or set apart for the service or worship of a deity. In this case, what we're talking about today, the God of the Bible. Uh, and again, I, I would use the word holy. If I use the word holy, that I'm saying the same thing. Sacred and holy mean the exact same thing. They're just different words. Yeah. Um, but this begs the question: What is and can be dedicated or set apart for the service of worship of God? Like, what what is this dedicated thing? How do we know what is dedicated? Uh, is is there? Does the Bible actually tell us anything about what is dedicated to God or what is um, what does it mean to be set apart for the worship of God? And then this goes back all the way to episode two, where we talked about Eastern mind versus the Western mind. The Eastern mind sees things as dynamic it is something that is that that it is build. it is going somewhere whenever a truth is proclaimed it is going somewhere and in the western church we love throwing around labels of what is objectively sacred and what is objectively secular because to us truth is just a static reality so like in the eastern mind they they are not interested in saying be holy as i am holy and then let's talk about what it means to be holy and then they give you a step-by-step program and bullet points and a slideshow saying, "Here's what it means to be holy." What they do is they say, "Just as he called you to be holy, be holy in all that you do," and then they move on to a new conversation. And it's like they they leave that to you. Be holy in all that you do, whatever that looks like for you. And that and that's like what that is. That's so weird because in the Western mind, we're always like, "Okay, uh, this is what sacred means. This is what holiness means." you have to do A, B, C, D, E, and F, or you're not holy. And, and we'll notice this as, as we go through some examples from, from us personally. So let me bring it over to you, Daniel. Um, I know we briefly discussed this whenever we talked about the definition of sacred, but what are some things that you may have been taught growing up that are objectively sacred or objectively secular? Now, this doesn't have to be like super serious. Like Like, don't be afraid to you know this is more for fun just to see maybe what you heard and see if it's similar to what I heard.
1: Um, so not for me, like, not the examples about to give, it's not things that I would define as sacred, it's just things that I've seen growing yeah, up yeah, yeah. in the Bible. Not belt. you,
0: but what, what you've been told, yeah, yeah,
1: gotcha. Oh, well, for one, pews are sacred. Let me tell you, dude, <laughs> we're not touching pews, okay, by the grace of God. Uh, pews are, are extremely, extremely sacred. Um... <clears throat> let's see man happy on the spot here I what about was,
0: some things that are secular what have you been told not to do
1: so dancing okay. dancing is one thing that's been that's been viewed as secular certain types of music has been viewed as secular certain types of tv shows or movies like if it's like a certain rating oh you can't do that but if it's this certain yeah. rating like you're good to go Um, now I will say now that I'm talking more about it, other things that are sacred, um, like the way we dress, the way we present ourselves, that's one thing that's kind of sacred, uh, in certain churches or in certain regions, like you have to dress a certain way if we're going to be holy. Um, so I would say, I honestly, I would say where I'm from, uh, the way that you present yourself is probably one of the biggest ways you show how you're holy. Um, just from where i live
0: yeah sure then all, all i was taught growing up is what i should do and what i should not do uh especially think like some examples for me is i can't listen to secular music if it doesn't have the name of jesus It's a no-go but there's also like some christian music i couldn't listen to if it was too rocky if it, or ah. if it had too much drums yeah you ain't listening to that or you're going <laughs> to hell rest
1: in peace skillet
0: yeah skillet oh my gosh um don't get tattoos tattoos is another one that's totally secular not holy it's the devil don't drink alcohol don't smoke cigarettes
1: oh boy don't- listen let me tell you about <laughs> cigarettes it's it's funny because in uh, in kentucky right you can grow it you can sell it but if you even think about puffing a cigarette oh my god <laughs> you've committed a mortal sin
0: you're puffing your own flames <laughs> all right uh, and, uh and another one another one that's big that i heard too is don't cuss yeah and 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 even even this one i i i heard that i should never go to a baptist church
1: interesting that's okay I grew,
0: I grew i grew up pentecostal and i actually this this happened to me one time and um i i, I don't know if this person i'm not going to mention any names my brother left the the pentecostal church that we were a part of and got a job at a baptist church as a worship leader the youth pastor brought me into her office and she said you know I'm kind of worried about Josh and I was like why like what what did he do something wrong like it what happened she goes no he's he's going to a Baptist Church and I'm afraid he's backsliding oh and I was and I was like wait, wait wait so he's backsliding because he's going to a Baptist Church or he's backsliding because he actually did something at this church no because he's leaving the spirit-filled community of, of the Pentecostal Church and I'm like
1: oh man! are you
0: serious right now like there's no i actually laughed because i thought she was joking yeah but uh but it was a serious conversation and apparently it's secular to go to a baptist church but i heard all these weird things and i would always respond after hearing all these things like what else is there left to do in life you know (laughs) like you told me everything i can't do is there anything that's fun about being a christian and you know what they would always they'd be like oh there's lots of things that are fun like going to church or if you want man all these g and pg movies are so good it's, unless you're watching harry potter you can't watch harry potter right but all the g and pg good if you listen to mercy me great band casting crowns you know k love like this is it our bible trivia man that's a blasty blast you know like <laughs> and we have all these all these great things that you can do as a christian and, I, and I'm like, okay, well, I, I don't know if this is like for me, man, like, cause this is not fun. This is if this is what being a Christian is like. I don't really want to do it. But on a serious note, like we never heard about living life simply out of the overflow of our love for God and others. It was always about like what you did do and what you didn't do, which yeah. is, is weird because the mantra of what Jesus preached was our love for God and others.
1: Man, you know, that's so true. It's it's very performance-based um or I shouldn't say it. I mean, it's been viewed as as what we can perform or how we can perform when it comes to our faith. And you mentioned yeah. that in the Bible like there's a certain or we're talking about this idea that like that's not how it is. And I just I think back to the story and I hope I'm not still in like your thunder notes which no, I go clearly forward. can't see. But the story of uh, the man who was asking Jesus about like what it means to be a neighbor—that little excerpt—and mm-hmm. Jesus kind of ends the story. And I'm paraphrasing, so don't 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 hate me for this. But Jesus kind of gives him what he needs to do to inherit in, inherit eternal life, and he basically ends the story by saying, "Yeah, if you can do all these things, you yourself can inherit t- eternal life." And in scene, they kind of like they end on a dime. Um, and you're kind of like, uh, okay, so Jesus, are you going to tell us how to do this? Are you going to give us more of an explanation? But no, it just it ends on like this fundamental of like how to be a neighbor, and that's it. Uh, it just kind of exactly. where it takes me to, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, and that's just, and that's honestly how rabbis taught and still do teach to this day. I wish that we would inherit some of the ways that rabbis teach because the way that they teach is they tell you the truth of scripture, and then they they leave it to the person that's listening to learn and grow mentally and then how they put it to practice is totally dependent on their context it has nothing to do with there's no objective way to apply the text it's where are you at in your life and how do you apply that to your context because how i apply uh you know love your neighbor may look a lot different than how you love your neighbor although we're both loving our neighbor we love each other we love our neighbors in a different way because i'm in a warehouse and then you are at your church, you know?
1: So what you're saying, Matt, is that we might be robbing people. We, we might ch- be robbing people. I tell you, well, I cannot wait to hear more.
0: Yes, it is, it's crazy because it's like, like what, why, why do we think, and, and this is the problem with a lot of sermons that you hear, in, I'm, I'm totally going off like away from my notes right now, I need to get back on after I make this point. But um, we, we go to all these churches and all these pastors will preach, that you need to live exactly how I tell you to live, and they give you all these points about what you are to do, when what he's saying may not even work for them because their context doesn't even call for what he's saying to do. And it's like, why Why can't we just teach what the Bible teaches and then let the Bible be applied by those who are hearing it? Because the application, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Right. The Holy Spirit convicts, the Holy Spirit leads them to walk in holiness, And yet we have preachers and pastors that are, and I'm not saying everybody's this way. This is obviously not, like there's a lot of good out there too. But I have a really, a real big problem with with teachers that tell people like, this is the only way to do this. And if you don't do it this way, then you're secular. And I I just, I'm not about it. But let me get back to my notes because I am totally going way off. Churches, especially in America, always teach holiness through their own presuppositions and definitions of holiness. When the Bible isn't as specific as we might think, how many times does the Bible say to be holy and then goes on to tell you how to do it? I would argue not at all. There's a like you just mentioned in that story. Like there's a lot of men, Jesus mentions in so many places what the standard is, but he doesn't place the fence around the standard. He says here's the standard. Now go and run with this standard, you know. I like guess never love your neighbor, it's and so here's true. how you are to love your neighbor: it's love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how do we do that? Right. I don't know. Go. Well, how does that work? How does that work where you are? And this is why the church is such a big deal, uh, like through the right lens. It's because this gives you opportunity to speak into other people's lives who are like, hey, here's here's my context. Can you help me to see how I can apply love in my context? Whereas. All we have now are sermons that are being taught, and then people are just going out thinking they have to live, love, or live holiness the exact same way the pastor does in the pastor's context, and it just isn't working. And so, yeah, that's that's a, a big problem that I have with it. So, do, do, do you notice though, Daniel, the like the chasm? Or I'm not chasm. I said the, use the wrong word. The schism that we've created with the idea of holiness. We've created a a barrier between holiness and secular that is totally up to the pastor or teacher and they're saying this is objectively uh, uh, holy and sacred and this is objectively secular like have you noticed the schism that we've created like what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah and it's I have noticed it I've noticed it in my in my own life I've been guilty of doing it before too and I think that the difficult thing is it's, it's different for everyone or it can be different like for every preacher or minister and that's where we kind of have to be careful because uh, for someone who is a believer who is just like everyone just like the minister himself we're all trying to navigate this we're all trying to figure it out we're all trying to apply this bible to our, our life so that we can be like jesus and so that we can love others around us but when you have all of these conflicting if that's the right word all these conflicting ideas and all these conflicting thoughts of like do's and don'ts and it's, it's different from everyone you hear it can be a little disheartening and and you might ask yourself like well what is true like 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 what does this look like practically
0: exactly and i think the problem is is we're not equipping people but we're actually telling people, so it's, the way that I see it is we're, it's like we're telling people how to fight a battle, but we're not actually equipping them for the battle. We're saying, here's all the answers, here's the battlefield, and here's how I fight it, here's my weapons that I'm using. Right. Now go out and use my weapon while he's still holding on to his weapon. It's like, if, imagine a general goes to war and says, you guys are all going to fight with my sword. And, and tells them how to fight with his sword, but he doesn't actually give him a sword to fight with.
1: I think that's so good. Yeah, so like it, and it's not that, you know, trying to—I feel like sometimes, ministers, we can get lost in maybe we're sharing our story to try to relate, we're sharing our story to try to encourage and show people, hey, like, listen, like, this is possible, but maybe our conversation should be we need to ask and we need to seek for ourselves, like, what what is God— calling from me what does God want to use me for not so much well if he did it for pastor Jim surely the goodness is gonna be the exact same way for me Um and I that's so it's so true so true
0: yeah and the whole the whole point is to bring people back to Jesus and who the one who they're following if we start telling people hey follow me and how I do things then I mean, we're fallible human beings. We're going to make mistakes, and we're going to lead people astray, and it's going to fall on us. But if we point people to Jesus and say, "Here's how here's how I walk with Jesus," now you go and walk with Jesus in your context, and and as far and without having to tell them exactly what they have to do, but leaving that to the Holy Spirit and praying with them and partnering with them, that's when the church begins to thrive. Is when you, the pastor, should be more walking alongside with them, not saying. Hey, guys, come over here where I'm at because this is my context and this right. is my church and you got to be just like me. And so I, I just think it helps to send people out equipped and prepared and uh, confident that they can go and face anything out in the world because they have the Holy Spirit, not they have the pastor's weapon that he used when he's in his quiet time, you know?
1: And I I wonder how many Christians are we doing a disservice to, I mean, cause what, if we properly equip people, I, I think there's going to be a lot more fruit that is that's being, it's, it's going to last, right? Cause if, if you're just kind of giving people like your take on things and saying this, this is it, like, this is the stuff and it's just not working. They're going to fall away. They're gonna get frustrated. But if you're equipping people to actually look at this and apply it to their context, I think that as, as the church, uh, as, as a whole, we're going to find a lot more Christians who are a little bit more grounded in their faith.
0: Yeah, and think about how Jesus sent off people too. Like the woman at the well, for example. He, he responds and meets the woman at the well where she is. And Jesus very well could have been like, now go and make sure that you go to the, the leaders of, of the synagogue. Right. Make sure that you ha- Make sure you tell them this doctrine about who I am. Make sure you tell them about the trinity and and the the baptism and the holy spirit and and all this stuff all he says is go and tell your go and tell people what i have done for you today and then leaves that totally up to her what that looks like go and do what you do and according to i mean according to church history she ends up being the first person in the bible to ever win a city for jesus which by the way If we want to talk about women in ministry, (laughs) the woman at the well is the very first evangelist to ever exist. And she was a woman. So do with that what you will. But I'm just saying that it's hard to argue against that. But anyways, different conversation for a different day. But it's a good opportunity for me to switch gears a little bit here. So I I want to break down a little wall because I think that we, that we, and when I say we, I mean the big C church, the church as a whole, we talk about this idea of the world and we say, be in the world, but not of the world. And, and I want to address what that means historically, because I think that may actually help us in this conversation as well. So I want to read uh, what Jesus said in, in John fifteen nineteen, just for a reference. It says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own as it is you do not belong to the world but I have chosen you out of the world that is why the world hates you. Now we love in our western greek mind to take the word world here to mean the earth. Christianity in the west is heavily 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 influenced. We didn't talk I I almost went into this in our second episode but I felt like it was too soon. I feel like we have we now have the people who are sticking around so I can go into this a little bit. (laughs) Right. Christianity in the West is influenced by what is called Gnosticism, which is, in short, it says that the earth and everything in it is utterly corrupt, and that the only hope, the only hope is for us to escape somewhere a billion miles away, far beyond our grasp, called heaven. Which for one, heaven's not described that way in the Bible, but it's, it's just the idea that we have. And we see this idea also in Plato, which I, I recently finished the book, um, Oh, what was the book called? Uh, The Republic by Plato. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I finished that book. And if you read that book, it is shocking how much we say today in Western Christianity that comes straight from Plato, who was not a Christian. He actually spoke against the idea because Plato comes before Jesus in terms of history. But he spoke against the whole idea of the Jewish religion. He thought that we should be open-minded. We should accept all gods because anything is possible. And yet all he talked about is how the earth is corrupt and that we're, our whole goal was to get somewhere else. And and that's where we that's how we apply this verse that you don't belong in the world, you belong elsewhere. The world will hate you. And we think it's talking about the earth. So for one, heaven for the Eastern mind is not a billion miles away. It's the reality of life here and now, which the Bible Project did a great, great, great teaching on this idea. And we can link that in the show notes. But of how the events in the garden caused a fracture In the overlapping of heaven and earth and since then God has been longing to re-overlap the reality of heaven and earth. But let's go back to the idea of world. The term world actually has multiple meanings even in English. We have the world referring to our our earth itself, but we also have the world when we talk about a specific practice or an idea uh, or an expertise or an area of entertainment. For example, we have the world of sports and that world of sports encompasses all realities of basketball, football, soccer, hockey, uh, th- baseball and everything else. We have the world of medicine, which encompasses all of the medical professions and practices. Uh, it, if I were to make this relative to our discussion, uh, specifically in the time of Jesus, the world would have been Rome. Or yeah. Let's even make it practical for us. The Rome for you, Daniel, is Lexington. Yeah. And the world for me is Columbia. That's the world that we find ourselves in, is the culture of this world. Now, knowing this, what world, oh, oh my gosh, my notes. Knowing this, what world do these biblical New Testament writers or even Jesus himself find themselves in? And I mentioned this a second ago the Roman world. Rome's empire is at odds with the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus and his followers died. We think that Jesus is followers died just because they were like super devoted to jesus and you know they read their bibles every day and all this stuff that's what we think they died for but the reason that they died is because they came out from the margins and they professed to a world that caesar that, that caesar is not lord and that yes. jesus is right and that that idea gets you killed you don't survive that that is an idea if you come against caesar and say caesar You are not my lord rome is not the kingdom but the kingdom of god and jesus is lord that's what got people killed and so whenever jesus is talking about this idea of world we have to see it through the light of what he is talking about that sacred living or holiness is living within the realities of the kingdom of god in all spaces of our life however that looks but secular living or living in the world is living your life in any other empire that opposes the kingdom of God, even if what you're doing are things in the name of God. So even if what you're doing is professing Jesus and and, and it all looks like Jesus, if what you where your heart is is in the world, and in this case most of us are from America, if what you're living for is what America professes and what America calls good and what America says. It's holy, and America says it's righteousness. If you live for that, it doesn't matter what label you use, you're still living secular. Right. Even if you call it Jesus. But living sacred is saying, I'm going to live my life according to what the kingdom of God looks like, regardless of what that looks like. For me, I work in a warehouse. I could live just as sacred of a life, boxing shelves, knowing that I'm boxing shelves for Jesus. And that sounds super cheesy and super weird. I don't, you know, I don't care. But it's, I I am doing my work for the Lord, which is what scripture says. I'm doing it and I'm bringing the kingdom to my space in life. Everybody that comes in, I hope that through my life, they're encountering Jesus in my space of life. I would argue that that space is more holy and more sacred than when you go to a church that does everything right, and yet they're trying to do more people pleasing and more empire building within their own building than they are actually the kingdom. And so that is the difference in my opinion between sec- secular and sacred is it is a heart posture. It is not about what you do. It is about your heart posture. Be holy in all that you do, Jesus said. Not be holy in all the things that you do that have the, the name church or Jesus on it. It's be holy in all that you do, whatever that looks like. And I would argue that whatever you're doing, even if it, even if the church would call that act a holy act, if your heart's not positioned in holiness it's not a holy act even if what you're doing is right right so so daniel let me hear your thoughts on that
1: i think that's that's spot on and i think it's it's it can be sneaky sometimes um because we we all know how easy it is to go through the motions we know how easy it is to kind of fall victim to well, I like he's a good guy. You've heard that. He he's he's, he's a good guy. Uh <laughs> but if if you're if the heart is not and, and and that's and that's the thing. I mean, we as Christians, we really have to double down on who Jesus is and if we're going to live in our world whatever your world is like matt mentioned it's different for everybody the context is different for everybody but if we're going to live in our world we have to let jesus be jesus in every aspect of our lives Um, and i i try to think back on my life on where i've kind of missed that at times and it's I don't want to say it's heartbreaking, but it's kind of like, man, how many missed opportunities have I had? Or how many times have I done something just because like, oh, it's going to look good or, oh, this kind of what the church expects. So we got to do it. And and the, the heart and the attitude was just so wrong. So it's, it's a little convicting and it makes me kind of search myself now, even being in ministry because – whether you're in ministry or whether you are going to church or, or whatever i mean it's 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 easy no matter what context you're in it, it's easy to fall victim to that um just because we just we're just trying to check the box we're trying to go through the motions just trying to get by um so that's 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 you're right on matt you're right on and it's something we have to proactively think about we have to really really consider Every aspect of our lives, not just oh, Sundays at ten o'clock and Wednesdays at six or seven.
0: Exactly. I mean, and even think about what Jesus said. And and I don't want to go too deep into this passage because we we could go a whole different direction. But when Jesus is talking to the religious, it says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Mm-hmm. And I think that what Jesus is saying here, apart from all the other stuff that we could totally rip apart, I'm just focusing on our topic today. I think what he is saying is that it does not matter. The acts that, the acts that you do, do have ramp, like there are, there are good consequences to your actions. And there's also bad consequences for your bad actions. That's, I'm not taking away from that. Right. But the most important thing The thing that matters in the kingdom of God is where your heart is postured, because the Bible says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so, if our heart is, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how many sermons that we teach. Doesn't matter how many pages of the Bible. It doesn't matter if we can quote the whole Bible verbatim. It doesn't even matter how many people we even lead to Jesus. If your heart is postured, and I'm doing this to build my own empire. I'm doing this to build my own world up to to the same thing with the Tower of Babel. They built a tower and the Lord actually complimented their efforts. They did. They did something great, but they did it for themselves. Right. And that's why they were split up. And I think that the whole the whole the crux of this whole thing is that it is not about like secular and sacred sacred acts and secular acts are not those acts are byproducts. They're not necessarily the thing themselves. A heart that is sacred or a heart that is secular is where it matters. So when we start policing people and say, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, if you don't do this, then you're secular, then what we're doing is we're saying that you have to live up to what our standard of sacred is, not the standard of the Bible, which I would argue that the Bible doesn't even say like, hey, this is it. And this is not it. This is it. I mean, we have the law, sure, but even the law, like, the law is built into something so much deeper as well it's all about the heart i mean right. and that's what jesus taught whenever people would ask like you've heard it said this and so i say this and he always brings it back to the heart
1: literally like sermon on the mount i mean if you look at the sermon on the mount where you know obviously we're getting to the point to where like you know we discover well jesus is the law he's living embodiment of, of of the law and in his sermon he's talking about I mean, he, which is an amazing sermon, obviously, but he's going through all these things. And if I remember correctly, I don't really remember Jesus even then. Like this, the greatest sermon ever preached, ever preached, and he he hits everything. He touches on every single, especially topics that were like very, very you know, prevalent and important back then. But even today. I don't really remember reading in the Sermon on the Mount like the specifics of what we have to do, right? Yeah. So it's just, man, yeah, it really, really makes you wonder and think, am am I doing this right? Or it, it it's just, it's kind of thought-provoking, really.
0: Yeah, like on the sermon, I just pulled it up here, the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard that it was said uh, to the people long ago, you shall not murder. Anyone who murders will be sub- subject to judgment. But I tell you, who is, uh, that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus is saying here, and this is something that I think we take a lot of this out of, we, out of context. We say, oh, if you're ever angry, then you're going to hell. As, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that the anger that led up to the killing is what actually is leading to judgment, because if the heart isn't fixed, it's going to lead to murder. And that's what he says. The same thing about adultery. The yeah. man looks upon a woman like it always there's always a root to everything and I think the root always goes back to your heart if we police people's actions but we don't go after the heart I promise we're never going to see people change
1: yeah it's just going to be this like sick cycle
0: yeah it's it's weed you're just you're just like you're just cutting off the tops of the weeds but you're not actually pulling them from the roots you're saying oh like this looks bad let me just cut that off oh you look good now And then it comes back and you're like didn't you listen to me before but the reality is is the thing that you were addressing wasn't even the root cause of it and so i think that we just we spend so much time like pornography for example we always tell people, and i know we we have a whole discussion planned for this topic so i won't go super deep into this but we tell people you shouldn't look at pornography because pornography is 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 sinful and you're looking at women horribly cool but that's not the root of the issue Let's, let's go back a little bit further. Oh, you're lusting after a woman. That is horrible. I don't even think that's the root of the issue. Go back even further. Oh, oh my gosh. You are super insecure about who you are. You think that you have no value in God. You think that, that you're a piece of trash and that the only way you're going to be fulfilled is if you find someone who can fulfill you. Right. And then, and if you start addressing some of those issues, and I'm not saying that's the same for everybody, but that's just an example. But if you start addressing some of those root issues, the moment that you pull the root out, everything else comes apart. So, it's, so why do we spend so much time on this topic of sacred versus secular, policing the actions or policing the byproducts? It's like, oh man, it's like whenever we, whenever someone gets a headache, there are, there are many many things that can lead to a headache. What do we typically do? We take a Tylenol mm-hmm. or some kind of Advil, and it relieves the symptom. But does it actually address the root problem no what if you're dehydrated will advil solve your dehydration when you have a headache that's from dehydration no you need to drink water and that in turn solves your headache problem and so we spend all this time treating symptoms but we don't actually go after the sickness and and that is what i believe like the sacred versus secular goes all the way back so what is what is the root of everything? What is in the heart? Because that that is what matters, not these actions. And I, and I feel like especially in the Bible Belt, me growing up, that's all I heard is is make sure you do what we tell you to do. And if you don't, then you're subject to judgment. Right. And it's been super destructive for me. So.
1: Right. And, and you know, in such a like I mentioned, it's a, such a sick cycle. And the thing that I think is the most destructive when it comes to this particular topic is that this can be taught like for generations, right? This, this, this idea of like do's and don'ts and like, here is how we're going to live. And here's what we're going to do. And, um, it's, it's something that does not produce what I think God truly wants for our lives.
0: Yeah, and dude, this even goes back, now that you've said that, this goes back to to what you talked about with offense. Like, the, 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 the if we don't address the heart issue, what we think is if we look at our own actions and we're not seeing side effects in our own life, we will start to think that we're holier than other people. Yes. And we'll see other people's side effects and we'll start throwing stones when in reality, our heart issue is deeper than their heart issue, but we're just attacking the thing that's most visible. Right and it is oh man it, it this this goes so much deeper cuz I, I man it just this is why i i don't like when when pastors and i, I get you need to have conversations about certain topics sure. i totally understand it but if we only talk about side effects if we only address the actions that come out of the heart and we never address any issues that are in the heart then we're, we're not making any progress. The only way we're gonna progress forward is we have to go after the things that are the deepest in our heart, the places that we hide the most from God so that the, the light of God can shine in the darkest places of our heart and bring those to light, bring them to bear, be dealt with, and then everything else that comes as a result of that can can be fixed. The whole. So if a man beats his wife, do you think a man just woke up one day and decided to beat his wife? Or do you think that there's something deeper? He's probably got some anger issues. Maybe the anger goes back to his childhood where his, his father beat him and maybe his father's childhood goes back even further than that. And, and if you really go back and you see the root cause of everything, I think it actually starts to help you start to care for people too. Because you realize, oh my gosh, like it's not just he's beating his wife or it's not just that he is watching porn or that he's suicidal. This is something that is, that seemed like it was so basic and so simple that just went way out of control because nobody dealt with it and nobody would be willing to address it.
1: Right. And I, I think just to kind of throw onto that, I mean, your view of humanity, once you can, and I know it's a really scary thing to do, and it's a really difficult thing to do. There, there's a video from the skit guys. You remember those, those guys? The Skit Guys did a video called God's Chisel, and it was just talking about how we're made in God's image, and we're going to let God work on us, and really we're going to get down to what is it that's keeping me from truly being like Jesus, right? And having those conversations, it's extremely difficult. Have, trying to get to the place where we're thinking about, man, really, what is wrong with me? and a lot of us like to think, well I'm pretty normal, like nothing's really wrong, but truly if if we get down to it, there is something in all of our lives that is that keeps us from growing keeps us from having a more intimate relationship with jesus there there's always something if we can identify that and truly understand what it is and let jesus let jesus help us our view of humanity and others it changes so much and i'm not saying this to, yeah. to, to toot my own horn but i've had conversations like with people like because i i truly i i have a heart for people who are are hurting lost and broken and i can see someone with like i mean the absolute worst past imaginable right the worst past imaginable and i can just think to myself you know what jesus still loves them God still loves me. I bet He did not wake up one day just thinking I'm going to throw my whole life away for this. As people, we it's it, it's it's gradual, and it all goes back to the root of where it all started. And as Christians, if we can just get this in our hearts that you know we are just as messed up and we are just as lost as the next person, for all have fallen short. Um, we too can see others who are struggling and need the love of God as well.
0: Absolutely. And, and and to kind of kind of bring this back um, to, I guess, to tie this all together as we kind of wrap things up, if you're listening to this, and I'm assuming most people listening to this, you're, you're probably doing something right now. Maybe you're working out. Maybe you're walking in your neighborhood. Maybe you are at work. Maybe you're driving. Like, don't don't ever let anyone tell you. And I, I kind of feel like I'm preaching a little bit now, but I don't care. Uh, don't ever let anyone tell you that what you do cannot be sacred or cannot be holy. That you ha- that you must do something. Like l- let me let me be specific. One thing that I was told is that unless I am serving in ministry, then if I don't serve in some capacity, then all I'm doing is working a quote unquote secular job, and that that is the most buffoonery thing I've ever heard. Because Jesus. I mean, for one, they did not have full-time vocational ministry in, in the early church. They all had profession. Jesus was a carpenter, yep. okay? If Jesus can take carpentry and make that worship and make that sacred, and a lot of his parables was even built off of some of his carpentry stuff, Yep. and if if we would be willing to let our job, whatever that may look like, maybe you're a cashier, maybe you work in a warehouse like me, maybe you're... Uh, you, you, a bank teller or a business person or, or or whatever that may look like. If your heart is postured in holiness, if your if your main goal is to seek God in everything you do, to worship God in everything you do, whether it says church or says Jesus or not, in what you're doing, it's sacred. It is holy because it is dedicated to God the definition we we'll go right back to the beginning the definition of something being sacred is it's dedicated or set apart for the service or worship of God if you are wor- if you are setting aside your work for God it is sacred i don't if pe- people will call it a secular job because it isn't in the church but it is sacred anything that is secular listen on the flip side maybe you're a pastor listening to this if you are leading your church through a heart of, I'm trying to build my church's empire, get as many people in here as possible and make my name great. I would argue that you as a pastor and your church are secular. That it, it goes both ways. And I'm not trying to like condemn anybody because I'm, I'm guilty of this too. I do my job through a secular heart all the time. But if we want to get to the the root of all of this and all of us, again, we, this goes back a couple episodes ago. This is all about how, all of us are growing together. We're not trying to like, say, come to our level. The, me and Daniel, are, we, we are the first to say we're, we would need to get in line on this thing. You Absolutely. Know? And so if we can be, if we really want to see revival, which is I know a, a term that's overused a lot, but if we want to see revival or if we want to see the kingdom of God manifested in the world, it all starts with us in our context, having our hearts postured in holiness, not not just doing holy things, but living a life that is dedicated to God and th- no matter what you do, no matter what you touch, it'll be sacred. And imagine if everybody, no matter what space they're in, imagine if they did that where everything that they do is sacred. That right there is heaven on earth. Right. Literally. Yeah. And so... That I mean, that's, uh, is there anything else you want to say, Daniel? Before we kind of wrap this up?
1: No, nah, man. Honestly, you just you you ended it the best way possible. So I say we end on that high note. <laughs> good, good,
0: good. Well, hey, if you guys are listening to this and and maybe you're kind of struggling this with this, maybe you've been hurt by people who've used some stuff against you. Um, we want to help you in any way we can. Uh, we'll put contact information below. Um, and, and as far as what that looks like, we're still kind of figuring that out as we're recording this, um, but we will have an email or something set up below. And uh, we, we can either you know have a conversation with you or pray for you. Uh, maybe you want to just vent to somebody, like we're here for that too. Uh, so just feel free to reach out to us and we're happy to help in any way that we can.
1: And if I may, Matt, I know we've not done this, but if I can just say, just pray real quick, Because this is just something that's really just kind of touched me. Um, And so I just want to pray for anyone who's listening. Dear only Father, we just thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. God, I pray that sometimes in life we are exposed to certain things, or God, we might not see the best in church. We might not see the best in certain situations. God, I pray that you will do a work in us God, I pray that you will remind us that we are loved and that we are accepted, and that even the small things that might seem irrelevant, the small things that might seem like they don't really matter, that if our heart is postured for you, if our heart is postured and we're looking to you in all things that we do, that God, we are going to live a life that is fulfilling. And because it's a life that's for you and of you. And God, I just pray that we can just leave this podcast encouraged, even if we're not doing it right this very second, that God, that if we just begin the conversation in our own heart and our own walk, that God, we can see amazing things take place and manifest in our lives. And God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.